When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it, Weekend Editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're live at the Single Barrel inside the Graduate in the Haymarket. A lot of red roaming around down in the Haymarket. Chris Schmidt, Mark Rainack, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark getting ready for the Weekend Edition, Nebraska, Illinois. And you can uh, stream this show. We are on ESPN Lincoln Facebook, ESPN Lincoln Twitter, and the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Cranach is in his Husker den. Connor is chained to the studio and Elijah uh, didn't find parking but uh, got a solid from dad. How is everyone doing this morning? Cranach, good to see you, brother. Nice to see you, <coughs> you as well, sir. I'm uh, pouring through Illinois and Nebraska and have been over the past couple days. Looking for a gap, looking for maybe how Nebraska can come out on top, and I'm having trouble doing so. I don't know if you've done the same. Uh, Yeah, I've done this math a lot. I'm horrible at math, and I've talked to other people that are great at math, and I just think it's uh, a line of scrimmage discrepancy that that can't be overcome without some help, and uh, really kind of comes down to, you know, this time of year you look at, all the colors you're driving down and it's just gorgeous uh, leaves that not all of them have been blown away you get a lot of orange and red and gold right and you got a lot of different uh, color themes you've got black and blue that's illinois and you got red and white which could means you're you're going to the emergency room or could be a great day for for nebraska and man i lean that it's just going to be uh, uh, an indictment here uh, by the fourth quarter of, of just too much Bielema ball. And, uh, you know, you know what, Nebraska's not bad. It's not that they're uh, a bad football team or a team that, that can't pull this off. It's in the 86-85 Bears or uh, Alabama, but just they're just not built to, uh, to withstand this, and this is the first of a tough stretch. But what keeps me coming back is the fact that We've talked about it a couple times this year. The Big Ten is a week-to-week league. It's all about matchups. I think the only team in the Big Ten that it's not going to be week-to-week this year is Ohio State. Ohio State seems to be rolling through just about everybody. But everyone else in the Big Ten, it comes down to matchups, and it comes down to you know just any given Saturday, if you will, in the Big Ten. So that's what keeps me coming back, despite the fact that I do think Illinois has the advantage on paper. Football's not pay- played on paper, and I do think there are places Nebraska can take advantage of some Illinois weaknesses. Now, 
Uh, as we talked about yesterday, I don't think Nebraska pulls it off today, and I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more. But I do think there are some areas for some optimism with this Husker team, despite the fact you look at Illinois and go, man, that team sure does look like it's the best team Nebraska's played all year. And whenever you think about that, the fact that Nebraska has four losses and it's the best team they've played all year, you go, man, that's a recipe for disaster. But it's week to week in the Big Ten. You never know. You know, Connor, Nebraska – wants to force DeVito to to beat him today. I just don't know if they'll get to that point. I don't know if they'll be able to shut down the Illinois run game to to make Illinois play left-handed. Well, yeah, we talked about it before we got on here today. What is that magic number to consider it a win for Chase Brown yardage-wise? And we kind of came up with 150 does Nebraska that's, that's a hell of a lot of yards yeah, I'm sorry I know. Which, is, which is crazy Watching because that's, that's the low ball in this situation. Hold him to 150 that is the low ball situation here today too so if Nebraska can get to that number again a whopping 150 and try and make DeVito beat you through the air you have a shot at this thing again that front seven is going to be tested today and it's going to be tested over and over and over again it's got to be the best game they play all year. We said it yesterday. It's got to be the best game the O-line plays all year if Nebraska wants a chance to come out on top here today. And, and, you know, to, and with, to, to the, your point, uh, go for it, Krennic. I'm just going to say, and with the bye week, you, you, you've given Bill Bush an opportunity anyways to come up with some sort of curveball or change up defensively that confounds Illinois early. I don't think Illinois is going to change what they do offensively. They've been pretty consistent with that every single week. So you would hope that Bill Bush can come up with something to stymie them and make it more of a chess match type thing. Nebraska comes out in kind of what they've been showing all year defensively. And of course, you got Henrich out. You know, you're you're vulnerable in the middle. Basically, you're vulnerable in the middle of the defense. You haven't been great tackle to tackle either along the defensive line outside of against, uh, you know, a couple inferior opponents that just don't threaten you much on offense. So that's maybe a silver lining, a little bit of, uh, you know, you mentioned it, Elijah, just a couple reasons for optimism. That might be one of them, that you just kind of stall them out early and keep the game close. Well, and to get back to Connor's point and Mark, your point as well, Illinois is what they, is, is what they are offensively, excuse me. They is In what that- they is, too. Say it with me. They, they, they is what they is. Sure, we can go with that. And the fact of the matter That's is. the title. <laughs> I like that, actually. Is what they is. <laughs> and, and the fact of the matter is that Illinois is going to stick with their ground game. And that's why I think that the Chase Brown discussion is so important of what can you hold him to. And it's less to me about yardage and more about efficiency. Because. They're going to do what they're going to do, and that's they're going to run the football. If it's not there early, they're going to continue running the football. They're not going to abandon that in the first half or even in the second half if it's not working. They're not going to go to DeVito because they've won games by feeding the ball to Chase Brown. And if that's 35 carries for 150 yards, that could be a win for Nebraska. If, if he you know, busts off a 60-yard run, then it's talking 34 for 90 aside from that one run. That, that's a good day from the Husker defense. It comes down to efficiency for this Husker defense because, talked about it this week, you're not going to stop this Illinois ground game. It's about containing it. It's about keeping it from hurting you too much. And if Chase Brown rips off one long run, I, I think you as a Husker defense can live with that. It's more about what's he doing on, you know, first and 10. Is it like the Purdue game when, and Mockaby ripping off nine yards a run? Or is he getting, you know, two or three and keeping Illinois in a, a down in distance that is manageable for the Husker defense? That's what's going to be so important today because 
Illinois is going to do what they're going to do. Uh, I don't think that the Husker defense, if they come out and, and slow this Illinois attack early, is going to deter Illinois at all. I think they're going to stick with the ground game. And if you can keep Chase Brown to an inefficient day, that can be the best thing you can do as a Husker defense. What frightens me is, let's talk Minnesota for a second. It was a good Minnesota team. It was a ranked Minnesota team that has and still has a top 25 rush defense. And it, it still didn't matter. They, they couldn't contain Brown. He went for 199, uh, 28, 16. And I know that, that Captain Morgan got knocked out of that game. So what? It, it, still, it still is what it is. And Nebraska is nowhere near that. Nebraska's not even oh. close to uh, – they're not a top 75 rush defense, okay? No. So – Well, I think you could go you know what's what coming. I just said, too, about the Big Ten mm-hmm. being week-to-week with Minnesota because, again, I think people forget Illinois lost to Indiana early in the year, too. Yeah, and I know that too. was early in the year, but still, back to Elijah's point, you don't really know what's going to happen every single week because I – Personally, I thought Purdue was going to go into Wisconsin last week and win, and they honestly they got yeah they got the rear ends handed to them. So it it doesn't really matter honestly unless you're Ohio State or I guess Michigan. Well, because well, it, it, what's funny about these two is that the 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 other team is weak where the other one is strong in almost every mm-hmm. case with these two, which which is pretty interesting. You know, like Illinois hasn't faced a, a really good passing attack. They haven't faced an elite receiver like Trey Palmer has become. Um, Nebraska hasn't been able to protect at all against anybody. And now they're going against the team that pressures the most out of anybody in the Big Ten. There's one deep stat, though, that gives a little bit of optimism when it comes to Illinois. Look, they're not going to – they typically don't blow anybody out, right? They're not built like that. They're not built to have a track meet and to outscore you. In the red zone in particular, they get there a lot, right? They've – 33 attempts inside the red zone. That's second in the Big Ten. They've only got 13 touchdowns out of that. That is not a good conversion whatsoever. Conversely, Nebraska, they haven't gotten there as much. I think 22 attempts, something like that, but 17 touchdowns, right? Like, so when Nebraska gets there, they score, and they typically score touchdowns. When Illinois gets there, I mean, less than 50% of the time that they're actually converting. So that's one of the deeper stats again, to get back to little bits of optimism <laughs> that, you know, is a little bit in Nebraska's favor today and probably something to watch. Let's talk crowd, guys. And uh, if you're on your way into Lincoln or finding your way to the stadium, come see us here at the Single Barrel inside the Graduate. We're here 1130 to 130 weekend edition, Hail Varsity Radio, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel, uh, Mark Cranach in his Husker Dungeon uh, and uh, Connor Clark back at the ESPN Lincoln Studios. Numbers to dial up 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Mickey Joseph, Bill Bush, they, they made it a point in their media moments this week to talk about the crowd. It's going to be fun. The weather is going to be great. Folks uh, have not seen this football team since... Uh, the uh, the fourth quarter finish against Indiana. It's been quite a while. Uh, it's been a break between. Uh, you got a guy that people love in Mickey Joseph. You got a bunch of recruits that are going to be here that also flips the 
the scale a bit when we're talking about his audition beyond just wins and losses, right? The teams looked good. Can they look good again today? And can they showcase in front of a bunch of, uh, you know, high-level talents, a couple of Riolas specifically? But the crowd and their impact, I'm, I'm wondering its its effect on, on Illinois, right? Illinois and Bielema, they do what they do. They've already been to Camp Randall and won. There's some familiarity with that place, obviously, with, with Bielema getting his team ready. But it's... Um, you know, it could be a, a, a different animal, a, a home, a true home field today, because I think there's that feeling out there where the, the fan base wants to do this, wants Mickey to do it, and they're going to help everything they can do, whether it's 14 Coors Lights before the game or not, try and will this team to a win. I mean, the atmosphere is very, very special uh, in moments like this, and, and Nebraska's not been as special enough uh, with ranked teams coming in. Well, well, think about how different this game looks if Nebraska jumps out to, a say, a 14-point lead early, and that's a, a big hypothetical. Then it's, that, then it's that, an avalanche. That, that, that's a big ask, but you, you're talking about probably the first true, really raucous road environment that Illinois has faced this season. That, that Wisconsin game was eh in terms of, in terms of how of a, raucous the, the Wisconsin fans were. It, it was... It was an all right road environment, but I think this is going to be the toughest road environment Illinois has faced all season. If the fans get into it early, if Nebraska can jump out to a lead, say we get a long Trey Palmer touchdown in this one, and I'm talking hypotheticals. I don't want to talk hypotheticals, but I'm going to do it for a second. If you jump out to a lead with what Illinois does on offense, I don't think they're built to play from behind. They're going to stick with their run game, no. but do they start feeling a little bit of pressure? They, they haven't really felt a whole bunch of pressure all season long. They've been in control of games. They've been able to play how they want to play. If Nebraska can get a crowd into it and force their offense to do some things they're not comfortable with and maybe force some changes from the defense early, I think you're putting Illinois in a very tough spot, in a spot that they haven't really faced all season long in front of, as we said, a, a potentially rocking Memorial Stadium that can throw some wrenches into their game plan. So that's what I'm looking for early in this one. If Nebraska can jump out and, and play fast, play aggressive early, get themselves a bit of a lead, I think it really changes the complexion of this game and it really kind of eliminates some of those advantages that Illinois has on paper. Well, look, if you want to get the crowd involved, I think we all know third downs are, are everything, right? Uh, mm. I, I contend that Nebraska needs to change up their entire, like, music play selection for third downs because I think it's Pavlov's dog at this point and it signals to <laughs> Nebraska to not make the play. It gets, it gets extremely deflating when you're sitting in the stadium and a team is able to just keep converting, keep converting, keep mm. converting. Keep. Here's another deep stat that's a little bit of – little bit of hope for a little bit of optimism for Nebraska. Illinois is not great on third down conversions either. They're not. They, they want a, a game that's shortened. They want to keep the game on the ground, of course. And they're honestly not awesome at converting third downs. They rank towards, towards the bottom of the Big Ten. So does Nebraska defensively, of course. But if you want that, if you want that crowd to get involved, Man, I, I just think you have to get a little bit exotic today defensively. I think you have to throw everything at them. I think you got to be creative on run blitzes. I think you got to look at people like Ateva Maga Clements, right? Like, that's his thing. That dude is very good at being a heat-seeking missile, right? He's not necessarily the guy that you want in a phone booth all day. But you have a chance with guys like him to use his athleticism and disrupt something on first down, disrupt something on second down, put Illinois behind the sticks, then make them try to convert a third down. I, I just think that's Nebraska's only shot. It can't be 
vanilla base versus vanilla base, Nebraska is going to get destroyed in that kind of environment. Yeah, I agree. It's, uh, it's, it's about uh, some sprinkles, some whipped cream, some nuts, some cherries, Connor. Well, it, it, just to go back onto the atmosphere point, too, and kind of comparing it to the Purdue game a couple of weeks ago, just being there, and I didn't really realize, and granted, that was a sellout crowd. It wasn't a, it wasn't a Rutgers sellout. It was a complete sellout. <laughs> but I think the, the difference between atmospheres – just to compare Purdue to Nebraska is night and day because you still have 60,000 people in that stadium. Wasn't as loud, honestly, as I thought it would be. So you bring that energy back here to Nebraska and there's a sense of optimism. And as you guys mentioned, you get the crowd into it early third downs. If you can create some third down stops, that's going to be huge because, you know, we've all heard how loud this place can get. And now, yes, Wisconsin's a good home environment, but how, how long is that a good environment when they're losing 34 to 10, right? So how much can the crowd be kept into this game? I think that's going to be a big talking point today. Some disturbing trends for Nebraska, though, when it comes to, like, time of possession. You know, yes. past couple games have been yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> almost record-breaking bad, right? Like, just like, man, do you guys have the ball at all? Uh, it's, I mean, it's no. really bad. And Illinois, of course is the time of possession king in the Big Ten right now. So it's, it really is just like whatever the other team's good at, the other team is bad at in this matchup. And out of everything, out of all the different factors, yes, stopping the run is a big deal, of course. But that's still going to eat up clock, right? And so, like, I, I don't know if Nebraska has to suffocate Illinois' defense as much as contain them, as Elijah got to survive them earlier, right? But I, 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 it really really comes down today. I, I think Nebraska's ground game is just a lost cause at this point in the season. Yep. <laughs> so, so you, I mean, it just is, right? It's just, they're not, you're, they're not you're, running the ball. You're, you're president of the Run the Damn Ball fan club. You uh, have been you, for years. You've got the sweatshirt. Yeah. You've got the hat. And yeah. for Mark Cranach at, at 1150 <laughs> in awesome. the year 2022, after doing radio together 20 years, to say, well, Hell, Nebraska's run game run is a lost cause. Well, the, the, I never a, thought I'd hear pro. that in my life. I never thought I'd hear you say, Look, uh, I'm tapping out. See ya. <laughs> Give me a pack of smokes a pro, and a bottle of tequila. You have a pro tailback in Anthony Green. <laughs> the guy's an Cranach NFL has, Cranach has relented. <laughs> You know, like he can't even get 50 yards with this with the O line. And the, but the thing I have the most concern about it is the number one concern. I think it will be every single game. It's protecting Casey Thompson. The 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 experiments at tackle have all yielded pretty miserable results. It is man, is it bad? Like if you look, and we're not offensive line experts, right? At least I'm not. You know, I, I know Elijah played it at a high level at Lincoln Southeast High School. Uh, I totally get that, but I'm. It is alarming how little resistance the offensive tackles have given a surging defensive line. This it's incredible. Where you're just like, I, I don't, I don't even know what you do about that. Like, what do you do? You only have who you have on the team, and they can only move their feet so much. Right. The other team knows that. And wow, it is an absolute sieve on the offensive line. So you're hoping maybe in, the, in this bye week they've been able to, I don't know, do some agility drills or something. Well, well there, there is, there is something to just confidence with the offensive line. Like, 
as an offensive lineman, like, think about it like a boxer. If you have a boxer going into a ring who is unconfident, they're going to lose that fight. I don't care what the skill looks like. In Nebraska, not only are they unconfident in themselves in the offensive line, they're also outskilled. So it's a, a recipe for disaster right. when that happens. And I don't think I'm not like I don't think there's going to be any miracles happening in the bye week. I, I think Casey Thompson's going to get smoked a couple times in the pocket today. <laughs> it, it's like I'm yeah, a realist. Felt like it is. It, it's going to. Uh, no, that's gonna fine. But man, and, and that's it's why, sober. It's sober Saturday today. But that's why, like <laughs> we've talked about all week, like is Nebraska going to get the quarterback run game going today? From what I've seen all season long, and from what I've seen from this offense line, I don't think so. I don't think Mark Whipple is going to sit there and go, you know what, Casey? I know you've been getting smoked in the pocket all day. Let's, let's get your ass kicked at the uh, second level yeah. on a designed run. Yeah, let, let's go that's designed run and have you take some more hits today. Like, yeah. If Nebraska gets a quarterback run game going, like which. I hope they do. I think it would help their chances. I don't think it's going to be with Casey Thompson. I think it'd be with one of those backup quarterbacks. And from what I've seen all season long, I don't think Mark Whipple's willing to do that. So we talked about it all week. Man, it'd be awesome if Nebraska gets Casey willing to do it. It's like, well, people say, like, it'd be awesome if Nebraska get the quarterback run game going. At this point, it's a bit of a pipe dream because it's not what Mark Whipple's style is. And I think it's bad for your offense if you're putting Casey Thompson in the line of fire because he's in the line of fire every single time he drops back to throw the football. Listen, they've been selective about it. They've done it in the red zone. He has six rushing touchdowns. They can be selective about it, but if they make Illinois think about it early in the game where they got to respect it, doesn't mean you have to always go to it. Uh, Al chimes in here on the stream yard. How many times... Just don't get beat on the old jet sweep. For uh, for nostalgia, how many times does uh, the pig farmer uh, call the old jet sweep today, right? Uh, oh, man. In, in all sincerity, that's something you can do. You can run. Listen to me play offensive coordinator. I've got a headset on. You can <laughs> well, run. You also Alante. have three colors and a vest. What? No, it's it's, anyway, it's it, look, it's look at you. Another topic I for another know. segment. Sorry to derail. You've got Palmer or Alante that can go in motion, right? The, the old jet sweep motion. And you can do some zone read today with Grant uh, and, and with Casey. I mean, you, you can go about it that way offensively. You're going to have to move him in the pocket anyway, I would think, a few times. Uh, so there's, there's the possibility. You have options to, um, to score quickly with, with Thompson and Palmer, but you also have options with three different quarterbacks that, that can run it. I mean, two of them are, are, are good runners. Casey, I think, is not as willing a runner just because of his, his size, right? But he's done a good job when asked to do it. Or he's only got a couple of scrambles all year. But I think there is a necessity to kind of sell out today, go all out. And while you don't want to get him killed in the pocket and you don't want him killed as a as a designated runner, that's one way to jack with this defense. It always screws with defenses. Yeah, and then you got, look, you also have Isaiah Williams uh, yeah, on that the other side nuts. of the ball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Juice he's, is you know, he's a guy that, phenomenal. you know, it's not the same guy as Juice Williams, which how many Isaiah Williams can you have if you're Illinois? Uh, it's pretty amazing. Juice but was that, the quarterback. The, yeah. Right. Yeah, that's so – you know, that, that's another guy you have to look out for as, as a little bit of a wrinkle that they can throw outside of just Chase Brown. Um, but, look, it's going to come down to let, – let's just concede. This is what's going to happen. Nebraska's not going to be able to run the ball. Can we just – like, they're not. So you're going to have to be able to, to protect. And they can't do that either. <laughs> so I'm just – that it, it all kind of comes, comes down to that, where you're just like, I, I just don't see how they pull this thing off unless – 
you get some sort of off-schedule type score. Or, you know, a punt block, kick return, punt return, you know, f- force sure. a fumble on a punt return. You're going to have to have some off-schedule, off-schedule. You're going to need help. You're going to need a lot of help. Yeah, straight-up well, offense versus defense, not going to work out for Nebraska today. Well, I, I know we got to get out here, Connor, soon, so I'll, I'll try to keep this short and sweet. Whenever I was watching that game last week against per- – or two weeks ago, I should say, against Purdue – it was almost the same story. Nebraska still managed away. The, the offense put up enough points to go win that football game against Purdue, despite the fact that Nebraska couldn't keep Casey Thompson safe, despite the fact that Nebraska couldn't get a consistent run game going. They still went out and put up enough points to go win that football game. And I know Purdue's defense isn't on the same level as a team like Illinois, but no. you look at that and you go, man, they, they still did find a way to get in the end zone and, and put some points up despite, I mean, circumstances that would make you think that this offense was going to be floundering all game long. They still found a way to do it, and I know that's mostly on the back of one guy in Trey Palmer, but I do legitimately believe Nebraska's got the best player on the football field today in Trey Palmer. I think he's the best player among any 22 that's going to step on the field for Nebraska or for Illinois. Can you utilize him? Can you get him in the game? Can you take advantage of that skill gap that you have with Trey Palmer? That's going to be a big question today. The attention he's going to get is going to allow somebody else to do something. Washington, Vokalek, Alante, uh, General Grant, maybe in the check down game. So there we go. Amir Johnson, potentially, you know. Yes. And, and by well, the way, interesting that it came out this week that he had been battling a groin, and that's why he hadn't been playing much. Everybody was like, why is he on a milk? Carton, that was why. It's Mark Cranach, Chris Schmidt, Connor Clark, Elijah Herbal. We're here at the Single Barrel, 1130 to 130. Come see us pregame weekend edition. Uh, Brandon Vogel when we come back. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now roll tide. And Mark Cranach has come for someone to put his foot down and that foot is me Back with you, it's Weekend Edition. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency, Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. We welcome in Brandon Vogel from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Elijah has stepped out of the picture because He's waving goodbye to the Illinois defensive line. I'm, I'm doing this my quick scouting report. Okay, so they are loading the bus. They look focused, uh, kind of like Drago, uh, as he was staring down Apollo Creed. We are here in the living room. Uh, check that dining room area of the single barrel. Uh, bar is full. Lots of Nebraska fans. Uh, the Sadly, the breakfast buffet is gone, but the lunch menu is incredible. You can still go get yourself a, a big old steak, a burger, some sausage, uh, one of us here at the table, not going to name names, has a red beer. So we're uh, gearing up. We welcome into Brandon Vogel, who is inquisitively rubbing his whiskers uh, with the backdrop of his football office. Vogues, you seem intrigued by what Elijah might say about the insight on-person uh, scouting report here. I am intrigued by that. I'd like to know how... Illinois D line, the law firm is is doing prior to knowing that <laughs> we we're going to have a live scouting report on air. I was intrigued by Penn State 
only being down three to Ohio State at this point, though, yeah. to be honest. My initial scouting report, Brandon, is I was seeing much more mustaches than I expected. I do enjoy that. I like that from the Illinois. It looks like a lot of offensive linemen rocking the mustache, so uh, that means bad things for Nebraska because a man with a mustache is it's hard to stop. That's, that's just a fact. So uh, other than that, no real insight, um, but good facial hair. I'll give, I'll give Illinois that. Yeah, must Bielema seems like he runs a mustache kind of program. I don't know <laughs> if we've ever seen him with one. He's had a goatee for sure. Um, but yeah, that, that checks out to me. <laughs> Sadly, we did not get Coach Bielema to sit down and hammer the old 96er. That was a plan last night. They arrived after we were off to do high school football. But I would love to see it. Corner table, uh, a little red wine, and thousands of pounds of beef. Uh, to have him devour. Do you think he checked out the, the Wienermobiles out front, though? you think he checked that out before? Uh... Oh, dude probably had a hot dog. <laughs> Easy. He's probably a mustard and sauerkraut guy I would go on. Cranach, you're grinning at me here. Are you not a sauerkraut guy? No, not necessarily. Not necessarily on the hot dogs either. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's a fine. you problem. It's like, it's, yeah, it's like, it's like pickled cabbage sort of like that's bottom of the it's barrel. Have stuff. you tried it? Have you ever tried you know. Southwestern Nebraska hand canned sauerkraut on a Fairberry brand hot dog. That is one of the most specific food questions I've ever been asked <laughs> in my life. You know, have you had Southwestern Nebraska hand canned sauerkraut oh. on a Fairberry hot dog? No, I have not. Uh, but it sounds it's like that's a combination that, that is memorable. It's legendary. What were you saying, Connor? I said let's keep it that way. He's never had it. And somebody who's from out of state, those red hot dogs give me nightmares. You guys have your elitist uh, hot dog takes. All you ne- Illinois kids. You're well, Connor's from have Chicago. I have, I have seen what you guys put on a hot dog. It's good, but like you, it's not good enough to be elitist. Like that weird neon relish. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, but not I even close to good enough to be elitist about your hot dog. Is all one color. Have you guys have you guys ever had a uh, boar's head three pepper slice of cheese in between uh, two Sara Lee honey wheat uh, pieces of bread and some Genoa salami on a Tuesday? Anybody? I have on a Thursday. I don't know about a Tuesday. Folks, chime in here with the hot dog and then some football. Um, I think I think the lower you go on the hot dog scale, the better off you end up being. Like I think the ideal hot dog form is stadium hot dog that you know is just steamed you put it in that foil wrapper you throw it in the box and it just it's it's not really a hot dog in a bun at that point it's just one form uh i go with a little mustard and and relish on it and and that's that's really as good as hot dog gets to me this is fair this is fair We've gone off the rails yeah. completely. Yeah, we'll get to <laughs> yeah, football. We, we do have an email an email in from Brett. He says, tell Elijah that I am going to wager him an old-fashioned or a Red Bull that the Huskers dominate today. Dominate. So, wait, I, 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 need, I need definition for dominate. All right, we will throw that out on the airwaves. Define dominant, Brett. Uh, Brett just wants to get after the old blackout juice, Red Bull and vodka, one way or the other tonight, I'm thinking. Uh, but, uh, Vogue, so let's, let's get your take on this. Illinois was picked sixth, swing and a miss by many. He's got them playing really good football. He inherited talent. He's matched that talent. 
Yeah, really impressive to this point for me. You know, Illinois being pick pick six, that's probably where I would have had them too um, coming into the the year. I would say some of that has been (laughs) a lot of the Big Ten West kind of falling into one big lump in the middle, for for lack of a better term. But you can't deny what Illinois has done. It's played really, really well. It really – it lost that game to Indiana. It shouldn't have by my view and a a statistical view. Uh, And other than that, they haven't really played that close. That Iowa game was 9-6, but Illinois was pretty much in control of that the whole way. Uh, so super impressive. Like the, the big question with them coming in for me was the offensive line where they had, you know, really four pieces to replace and they've replaced them better than I would anticipate any team doing to this point. And you pair that with a defined style of play, which we knew with Bilaba, one of the best running backs in the country and some, some very good to maybe elite talent defensively. And here you are. The rest of the West has kind of stumbled along. Illinois has been sprinting since really week zero. You know, Brandon, we are looking for, you know, there's sil- silver linings here. And, and, it, and it's when you look at Nebraska and Illinois, essentially each team is good at what the other team is not, right? It's just, it's just basically. When you dive in to the numbers, what are the what, – what do you see that give – Nebraska fans hope give them a little bit of optimism is there anything in particular that you think Nebraska could exploit there's maybe a little bit I mean this will sound strange because this this secondary has 12 interceptions on the year it's got one of the the best pass defenses in the country no matter kind of which way you want to cut it um, but I still think Nebraska has a chance to – it's Nebraska's big playability, and that's going to be the case in most games the rest of the year. Uh, you got to worry about – this Illinois defense is doing a really good job of keeping, keeping teams off schedule. So those deep shots, if you're consistently in third and six, third and seven, third and eight, uh, all of a sudden are a lot easier to defend. So I think the struggle for Nebraska could be just gaining yards consistently early in series. And that's typically what facing a good defense looks like. They, they put you in unfavorable situations and then exploit them. So um, looking at that and defensively, you know, Nebraska's struggled to stop the run. That's question one out of the gates for for the Huskers in this game. That said, this this Illinois offense has been solid, uh, but outside of Chase Brown, it's not one that, it's very methodical. Uh, And if you can hold up and get them into third down situations, they're not great on third down. So I think that's kind of the path forward for Nebraska. It it feels pretty narrow to me, uh, but, but there is a path there. Does, does that lead to Brandon? Cause we, we were kind of talking about that last segment you know, Nebraska's coming off the bye week. Presumably uh, that gives you a chance to mix in some curveballs defensively. Would you expect to see Bill Bush in the defense, for instance, do things like run blitz with Malga Clemens on like a first or second down just to try to get them off the sticks, right? Just to try to get them behind the chains a little bit. Would you expect Nebraska to do that today to try to get a little exotic to just disrupt that very methodical offense? I I think so. Um, I would expect, you know, Illinois in this game last year, so week zero, had a ton of um, 
ton of success rushing to the edge. And I would expect them to test those waters uh, early and often again today. Nebraska's got to have an answer for that. So whether it's Bob Clements, whether it's, you know, some run blitzes involving the secondary, you do hope to see, like, just a couple of wrinkles, a couple of things of we had an extra week, so we got in the lab, and Illinois had this opportunity as well. It didn't play last Saturday. Uh, and, and here's what we came up with and see what it comes down to. Uh, and maybe you can have some success with that stuff early on, uh, which which would be pretty, pretty important, uh, you know, keeping this game close as long as you can uh, it is a good thing for Nebraska. So you'll have some of that, but ultimately it's going to come down to how well do you tackle? Um, are you going to, are you going to let Chase Brown get the yards after contact that he's done an amazing job of this year? Or are you going to say, you're going to get four yards and we're going to make a stop. And, and if you're going to go down the, the field that way all day long, then you just tip your cap to him and said, hey, nice job by you. Brandon Vogels with us here on a weekend edition, getting you geared up for Nebraska, Illinois, Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, it's something we were talking about back in our, our first segment was how this game changes if Nebraska jumps out to a lead. And we were talking about it with, with the Memorial Stadium crowd. That, that gets them into a game, and I don't think Illinois has really faced a true road environment like they're going to face today just because, uh, as Connor and I were talking about, that Wisconsin game, it wasn't a, a juiced-up Wisconsin crowd when Illinois came to town, and then Illinois jumped all over them, and that crowd was never really a factor. So how does the complexion of this game change, not only from a, a, a fan's point of view and, and uh, Illinois facing a true road environment, but how does it change what Illinois wants to do both offensively and defensively if Nebraska is able to jump out to a lead in this one? Yeah, I think the big thing is it, it would put it would put some some additional pressure on this this offense. You know, I mentioned they're not they're not great on third down. They rank in the bottom third nationally. They also rank in the bottom third nationally in they're averaging 15 third down attempts a game, which is which is high. So I was a bit surprised to see that second piece when I when I looked at their third down conversions, and it tells you that even though this would be bad for a lot of teams, like they're finding a way. It's within their rhythm to kind of sustain that and, and deal with that. But it's not a it's not a big play offense. Uh, so, like I said, this is the thing with college football. So much of it comes down to what do you do when you get on the opponent's half of the field. And are you able to go on those 12, 13 play drives and not screw up? Because at the end of the day, you're still dealing with college kids. Um, and that's that's kind of the tough thing. It's a little bit of a risk with this Illinois approach, but they're doing it really well so far. So, But if they're, if they're playing from behind, that, that obviously kind of ups the intensity a little bit for that offense to, to kind of go out and not just take care of business, but maybe try and take control a little bit. Brandon Vogel. The uh, Wiener Mobiles outside. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry about that. All good. But Brandon, obviously the key for Nebraska's offense, the, Illinois is going to key on on Trey Palmer today. So, who in your mind is the best second option, specifically through the air? Probably Washington. Um, there have been moments this year where I've been I've been really impressed with him, and, and I would still say generally, uh, I think Nebraska has gotten more out of him than I maybe expected coming in. Um, Vokalek would probably be one B on that that list for me. If either of those two are are having a big day, it probably means that one 
not only are they getting open and taking advantage of probably some extra attention to Palmer, but also Casey Thompson's seeing it. And and he that probably indicates he's playing pretty well too because after Purdue, I mean, it would be hard for me not to just throw the ball to Palmer every time. So real football is, is more difficult than that. So we'll see how this Nebraska crew of wide receivers and Casey Thompson handle that. Yeah, Brandon, I really see Travis Vokalek as a potential athletic mismatch today. With as much as Illinois likes playing one-on-one coverage, I think Travis Vokalek's got the size and the speed to really make this Illinois defense worried uh, if they are keying on Trey Palmer. If they got to go double coverage on Trey Palmer, keep a guy over the top on him, I really think, really think it opens up a lot of possibilities for a guy like Travis Vokalek. Yeah, I think it, I think it could. Um, that would be a good development for Nebraska. You know, I, I mentioned it briefly, but I'm I've been pretty impressed with this Illinois secondary. Uh, they've got some veteran guys there. You know, they're pretty much going to have five DBs on the field at all times. You know, they, they really use that hybrid star defender slash nickel defender to, to allow them to adapt to just about anything. That said, you know, we've seen, I think, for the most part this season that uh, conceptually Nebraska's pass game has been strong. Like, guys are open. Uh, and if Casey Thompson has enough time, uh, he's done a pretty good job of, of finding those guys. Now, the time element is, is something where Illinois has the ability to really force the issue, I'm afraid. Brandon Vogel's with us. Hale Varsity Radio Weekend, our uh, good listener, Brandon, uh, all the way from Spearfish, is cozied up next to us. The uh, Wienermobile, as I mentioned, we need a picture of that, Elijah. That thing's just outside our window here. Are they selling hot dogs out the back or no? I don't know. I, I, what, what is the you Wienermobile You kind of got to do that, don't you? I, I feel like the Wienermobile's in town once a year, and I don't quite understand what it does. There's a six-person golf cart that looks absolutely pimp oh, that, that is finding its way. We got Devin driving. I think he, Is he driving some recruits around, I think? Who is that guy? Devin? Sorry, we're, he, I know it's part radio, part video here. But. He's a... Uh, uh, an equipment manager for the the football team. Okay, he, he uh, he's on my my pickup basketball squad. Ah, so lucky for him, yeah. uh. <laughs> he's got some good post moves. Like not the most athletic guy in the world, but he'll surprise you in the post, Evan. Yeah, Are you a stretch four, Elijah? Are you a stretch four? Is that kind of what you play? You got to hit threes to be a stretch. I'd four. like to think of myself. I'm a stretch four um, in the very NBA sense in that. I'd rather not get down and, and dirty in the post unless I'm playing defense. I like defense in the post, offense in the post, not my forte, and uh, dribbling, ball handling, not my forte. Kind of, I'm Jokic-esque. Jokic-esque is how I describe my game. That's generous. Vogues, uh, <laughs> what, what point guard would you compare yourself to? <laughs> um, Stockton? Yeah, maybe. Uh, he was probably a little bit better shooter than I was. Um, my, shorts were, my shorts were were longer, uh, but otherwise, Thank that was God. one of the first ones that came to, came to mind. Brandon Vogel's with us. Okay, DeVito is uh, a big factor today. Great completion percentage, manages well. Don't wreck the car, son, right? It's whispered in his ear before every uh, kickoff by Bert. So... There's there's some familiarity here, though, with Bush. Bush recruited him out of high school. Bush tried to get him to, to Rutgers. DeVito ended up at Syracuse first, and then Bielema uh, kind of grinned when he talked about the, the arranged marriage uh, between the two here. But how how big could that be 
the familiarity Bush has when it comes to game plan and, yes, take away Chase, but just his knowledge of DeVito and, and what he can and can't do beyond Phil, just knowing the kid a little bit. Yeah, I think it probably helps a little bit. Um, like I said, I mean, he's played a lot of football. There's, there's a lot on tape of him at this point. And, you know, and that's, that's another one with Illinois, uh, in addition to the offensive line where, okay, you, you bring in DeVito and that's – find good um he was really good as a freshman at syracuse not so good after that so that was another like kind of toss-up one for me um and and it's a toss-up that's that's landed on the right side for the illini so far so he's done a great job of doing kind of exactly what they need to do i mean the story here with illinois broadly they're just they're really playing complimentary football like all of the pieces snap together really really well and it's presenting a pretty pretty nice puzzle so far for for Brett Bielema in year two you know and they have not one thing interesting about them too they've not been down by more than seven points all year like at any point in any game and it really does I think put a premium on like if, if you're going to devise a way to beat them part of that has to include getting up early doesn't it yeah I, I think so and you know, they're a team that has, has fumbled a lot this year. That's kind of the one weird, like, crack in, in the facade at this point. Um, so be aware of that. It's not something you can control, but, you know, rears its head. Won't be a total surprise, but I look at a lot of game notes each week, not just Nebraska and its opponent, but a lot of games. Uh, Illinois is the only one I can remember that had an entire page devoted to ball control statistics. And I mean, and that's you know, that's Bielema ball. That's what they try to do. They are dominating time of possession, I think third nationally to this point. And yeah, if you can get ahead and if you can get ahead by more than a touchdown specifically, uh, it really changes kind of the math of, of how they want to do things, I think. Brandon, really fast here, Shmini, not to jump ahead of you, but what do no, you think good. is a good number today for Nebraska in terms of ball control, ball possession? I don't think anyone in their right mind thinks Nebraska is going to win time of possession today, but what's a number that gives Nebraska at least a chance, a fighting chance against the fighting Illini? Uh, probably 27 or 28 minutes. Um, so that'd be 32 or 33 for Illinois. They come in averaging 36. Um, you know, if you were to win time of possession – uh, I mean, it would either mean that Illinois became bizarrely big play all of a sudden, or Nebraska was was able to get its run game going most likely. But I think you could I think you could see a Nebraska win without winning the time of possession specifically. But if you you gotta you gotta bring it down from I think the 36 minutes Illinois averages because if they get that, it's just too much their pace, their style, their type of game. So. Uh, start at maybe 32, 33 minutes for the Illini and, and see what happens from there. If that were to happen, I think you're probably looking at a one-score game going into the fourth quarter. And if Nebraska wins time of possession, I think I'm buying a lottery ticket. Do it. <laughs> Absolutely do it. Penn State has taken the lead here right before half, about three minutes left. And uh, as good as Ohio State's defense is, right, we know it's been feast or famine with uh, Clifford, the big red dog, uh, a lot for his Penn State career, but he's hit a couple of big plays. The 58-yarder uh, to Washington, Lambert Smith for 23 yards. Vogues, as we say goodbye, that's really it for Nebraska. 
Can you be competent on offense? Can you get some conversions? Maybe uh, sprinkle in some Casey Thompson leg work. But it's going to be about Thompson and Nebraska hitting some big plays against a good defense. Really, really good defense. And that's going to be the story, not just today, but moving forward when Nebraska is just going to be outmanned on the lines of scrimmages. Yeah, it's it's always always a good thing to score from 60 yards out, which is what this first half of Ohio State Penn State proving to me. Because Ohio State's plenty used to doing that sort of thing pretty frequently. Penn State's going to go into halftime with the lead probably because it's made them drive the football and it's it's held them to field goals instead of touchdowns. And so much of what we see on Saturdays comes down to that. It's a little bit different with an Illinois team that isn't quite that explosive, uh, but that still always works. Giving up three is better than giving up seven, of course. Uh, nobody needs to be reminded mm-hmm. of that. For Nebraska, and it, you know, it had been it has been pretty good in the red zone. When it does get those opportunities, you, you got to finish them. Um, it may may not take thirty points for the Huskers to win, but they probably got to be pretty close to it. What does Junior say, Vogues, about the the, the ball game today? What's his prediction? Um, he predicts, let's see, you're pretty cranky this morning. I think that's good for Nebraska because usually he's about the happiest go lucky kid around. Uh, granted, I don't know that many, so, uh, small size, but I'm going to take the, the slightly off behavior as, as a good sign for Nebraska because, you know, I, I look at this matchup. It's a tough one. I think just how they match up is a tough one for Nebraska. So you need things to get a little bit weird. There we have it. Brandon Vogel from his football office. Mark Cranach, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Elijah and I down here at the single barrel for another hour. And we invite you down here, get uh, get a burger, get, uh, I don't know that they have sauerkraut, Cranach, uh, but get some, uh, some grub. Yeah. Right. Get some grub <laughs> and uh, get a beer. Connor Clark back at our ESPN studios. Vogues, we'll check in next week. Thank you so much for your insight today. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Brandon. There he is. Brandon Vogel with us. Hail Varsity Radio presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Uh, quick timeout. We will rewind with Jay Moore from Big Red Wrap-Up. Husker, Blackshirt NFL, or his take on Nebraska, Illinois. The Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, in 30 minutes here on site with us. It's Hale Varsity Weekend, and we're presented by Currency. Now it's time to get back to the Hale Varsity Radio Show with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. All right, that's it! You two guys leave me no choice. No television for a week. What? Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmidt underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmidt. Back into it, it's Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. I, I believe he's got the sport coat on. The tie is tied. He is making his way to, to make up. Not that he needs it. Make sure he doesn't stop over here first and beat me up. Jay Moore with us. Big red wrap-up. Husker NFLer. And, uh, of course, uh, 
we'll dive in on Nebraska public media tonight uh, with Big Red Wrap-Up. Jay Bird, it's Illinois week. How are we feeling? Uh, you know, I I don't like when Nebraska fans go to this one. Obviously, we'll get into that a little more, but I'll tell you what, I do need makeup, and I need lots of it, so um, <laughs> I need all the makeup I can get. I, mean, the, I, I have to do it, you know, honest uh, – Honesty here, I have to, I do it myself. I try to get my wife's input a little bit, you know, and trying to get the shine and, you know, look somewhat presentable, you know, get the appearance right. But uh, it's hard. It's hard to get this uh, mug. I, I have a I have a facial radio, I believe. Well, I never told you that. Uh, <laughs> I never ever ever said Jay just stick with radio, brother. <laughs> well, it, it is more difficult to get that makeup right than you'd expect. I had to do it for for class when I was at UNL. They, they made us wear makeup on camera, and I never felt, like, more emasculated than going to Walgreens and asking this lady to help me with my makeup. Some base. Well, yeah, it, I, I struggled with it, and I was, like, always sitting in the back putting on my makeup and everything, yep, looking at I, this guy like, what's this guy doing? Yep, I've been there. Jaybird's going to revolt, and he's going to go full Charlie Sheed in Major League, and he's going to sit down and say, do I look like, do I look like a banker in this? You know, going to be a, a, a leather coat, <laughs> sleeves are ripped off. He's going to have a T-shirt and a tie uh, around. Uh, no, Jay, hey, no, I can't wait for, for tonight's episode. You know, Nebraska's healed up. But, man, it looks pretty daunting starting with Illinois with what they have coming down the pike and – I want to go here first before we, we talk Illinois. We, we ended the last uh, about half hour talking about, you know, judging Mickey's performance, right, when it comes to the job, when it comes to, uh, as, as Elijah appropriately put it, being the plan A guy. And I want to get your input, man, as a former Nebraska guy that's, that's covered the program and been through uh, some arrows yourself as part of the Callahan era. How do you judge – you know, what Mickey does when it comes to that argument, that performance that either seals the the job for him or makes it, you know, uh, a reality that Trev's going to go a different direction. Yeah, I think the the first thing you got to kind of – I was having some conversation with, you know, some uh, coworkers today this um, this afternoon. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he he obviously wasn't put in – (laughs) <laughs> the best situation. No, it's tough. It, and uh, obviously talking, referring to the offensive line, defensive line situation. I mean, that is, you know, that's not good on either side of the ball right now. And so I think you have to take that into, obviously, into consideration with what Trev is looking. I, I do like, you know, the effort and the energy that Mickey's put into it. I like his no-nonsense approach to it. Uh, I, I really appreciate that. I'm, you know, here, you know, from behind the scenes, that you know, Mickey is just working tirelessly to recruit, and uh, that's that's what you got to have. And I know that coming into this, that's what we knew. Mick, it was one of Mickey's strong suits was the guy could flat out recruit, not only in his home state of Louisiana, but he has an ability to connect. And I think we have to have that um, in in a head coach and and in any rest of your staff. They all have to be really good recruiters, and I, I think that's one thing to consider with him. And his connection with the players, you know, is, is something to consider. Him only being here for, you know, not even a full year yet. And, you know, I, I think it's noticeable that I think Mickey has a better relationship with Casey Thompson than, than Scott Frost ever had. And I know Casey's only here, been here for a little while, but I, I think Mickey and, and Casey have a, have a connection. I think he has that 
connection with a lot of his a lot of his players, and I think that's something to consider as well. And it's hard if you you know at the end of the day, it is going to come down to wins and losses. I I, I firmly do believe that, but you have to look at some of the other intangibles and some of the things that you might not go totally into the wins and losses to give Mickey a, a, a serious nod or and a serious look. And like I said. Trevor's Trevor's alluded to the attributes that he wants, you know, a, a grinder, a guy that can recruit. You know, I think that's uh, something that Mickey does possess. But again, he hasn't been given, you know, a full stack here. I mean, the, the cards are stacked against them coming in trying to trying to finish this thing out. So obviously, it's it's not going to look the way he wants it, the way we want it. And I mean, it is it is totally totally feasible that Nebraska does not win another football game the rest of this, this season. That is definitely on the table, unfortunately. And it cannot totally be obviously put on the blame can't be put all on Mickey. You know, has that has to be put on, you know, the frost and, and what he's done the previous years in in trying to get this team ready to prepare and, and get him ready for the season. So it's it's hard, but I, I do I, I am liking Mickey more and more as the weeks go by and as you see other teams tend to struggle. You know, Iowa State struggle a little bit. Uh, Baylor doesn't look like the, you know the same thing. You know, and you, you just look at other teams on the country. You're like, man, you know, is you know, are we looking more grass is greener on the other side with trying to find a different guy, or, or is Mickey, or is Mickey, could he be the guy? Um, you know, with that being said, you know, and we still have uh, like there's five more games yet to be played, and you know, he can definitely get himself this job if this team does can find you know three more wins you know the team gets a bowl game i think it's it's you know it's it's all over that's that's mickey's job but you know they got a tough one this week in illinois uh, illinois is going to attack them in every facet that nebraska is very poor at you know they run the football well nebraska is not very good at stopping the run they, they have the ability after the passer nebraska obviously has you know one of the most you know, you know, struggles the most off of the line. That's probably the worst position group on this team right now. So they're going to expose us this week. And if somehow Nebraska is able to be in it in the fourth quarter, you know, have a have a chance, you know, show some improvements over the bye week, and and, and still, you know, even that it comes out with the loss, then you still you got to look. Okay, you know, they have improved. They've done some things. You know, they're dealing with some injuries as well. But you you can you can uh, you can take something from that if you're looking at Mickey, you know, going into the future. Yeah, and, and Jay, what Mickey said this morning at his presser was that Nebraska's number one key to be able to, to, to stick around with Illinois is to be able to match their physicality. But whenever you look at an offensive line for Illinois that, at least on paper, on film, looks like it outclasses Nebraska's front seven, and a front seven of Illinois that on paper and on film looks like it outclasses Nebraska's offensive line, does it just come down to physicality, or is there just some things that you're going to be outmatched and you need to game plan around? Well, yeah, they're they're I mean they're better than us in you know a majority of the categories you know and where and where it matters you know offensive line versus their defensive line you know our defensive line versus offensive line I just, you know I don't they they are better than us and it shows right I mean one loss top you know what there's in the top twenty in the in the nation and and they've 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 showed drastic improvements from year year one to year two under Bielema and they do play physical. Um, I think if we can match the physicality somehow in, in game plan, I think I think there's going to, have to be some game planning coming into this. I don't think we can just 
get up there and just, hey, hey, we're coming at you, stop us. I mean, I, we haven't been able to do that hardly to anyone this year. So that's, that's well, I'll, that's not even with any consideration. So, yeah, we're going to have to get creative. You know, Whipple's going to have to get creative. I, I don't think you're going to be able to have Casey stand back there too long. You know, they're, they have, they can, they're able to generate a pass rush with four. They, Illinois always seem to have some really good uh, speed rushers. And so I think he's not going to be able to sit back there and try to keep, you know, leaning on that big play with Trey Palmer. Hopefully they're able to connect, you know, a few more times. But it's probably going to have to be some quicker intermediate stuff, and Trey's going to have to do something in the second level on his own besides trying to take the top off because I just don't think Casey's going to have the time. So that's, gonna be, that's part of the game plan. And then if you flip the script defensively, I mean, you look at with having Heinrich out, you know, and, and hopefully Reimers is able to come back and, and play somewhat. You know, Reimers struggled without having Heinrich in there, you know, when he's had to play with Houseman. He hasn't, doesn't look like the same player. And that, that's not – and it's hard. It's hard to play with a new guy. Uh, I've, I've always said, you know, when I was playing, I was either used to playing against – or playing with Titus Adams or Barry Cryer on my side of the ball on the defensive line, and then whether Ty Steinkuhler or whoever else came in the game, this was different. It's not quite the same. You know, on the, you're on the right fields. You, the communication lacks – so that's going to be that's going to be a major issue as well, um, and, and maybe you know it's not Houseman, maybe it's uh, Kalarvik's able to step in there somehow and fill that fill that void. But front seven are going to be, I mean, they're going to be they're going to be attacked. They're going to have to they're going to have to play well. They're going to have to play get off blocks, you know, to play physical. I don't know what they're able to do creativity wise, and be able to get some movement going from the D line. You know, you know, the stunting gaps, slanting gaps, doing certain things. Bringing some run blitzes, getting creative on you know some if they are able to get in some third and long situations, create some some pass rush some, somehow in some way. Cause I just Nebraska hasn't shown their the ability to get home with four majority of the year. You know that's either you know that's I don't want to say that's a knock against O'Shawn or, or Garrett Nelson and and Caleb Tanner, but that's just that's just the way it is. I mean, just calling they have been able to get home, so they're going to probably manufacture some pressure to get home and try to get off the field on third down when, when that presents themselves because they can't have the same situation that they had last week where you know, I, don't, I don't think Illinois is the type of team to get you 38 first downs, but there's something to learn from that, and you got to be able to be more efficient and get teams you know, in third and long instead of you know, third and three, third and four, where you're, kinda, you're, you're, you're back against the wall a little bit where they can run or pass on you, and you're just kind of trying to guess there. So they're going to have to get creative on either side of the ball because I just don't think they can match some physicality right now. There's obviously there's some depth issues. There's there, you know they have some playing some younger players, so we'll, we'll have to see what it is. I mean, it doesn't doesn't you know doesn't shake out well for Nebraska in this one, unfortunately. And uh, I hadn't I hadn't liked this game once I saw Illinois' success early in the year and what they've been able to do, and obviously what they're able to do going into Wisconsin and, and beating them up there. That I'm like, oh boy, this is. <laughs> you know, it's easy, it's easy to look at Illinois and say, "Ooh, there's there's a potential win," but then you see them playing like, man, they've gotten better from year one, year two with Bielema, and then what they're able to go up to Madison to do is uh, it was pretty alarming. So I'm like, man, that that does not suit well for us in the you know last last weekend of October. Jay Moore with this big red wrap up on Nebraska Public Media tonight. Jay co-hosts, of course, uh, big red wrap up. And uh, also uh, Jay Bird with uh, the NFL, with the Niners for a lot of years. Jay, uh, you know, why? Answer me this, and Elijah and I have been beating this up for a lot of the season when it comes to either development or recruiting, but why is Nebraska so thin? Why is Nebraska running out an Ernest Hausman who was playing high school ball last year? Yeah, he's physically gifted, and maybe he's 
shown the most on practice field? That's one possible answer, but there's too many situations where Nebraska doesn't have uh, a plan B behind some guys that might be struggling uh, that start. How come it's how come Nebraska is where they're at? Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's strictly from a development issue. You know, I, I don't know the – I'm not a huge recruiting guy. I don't – That shocks me. You've not changed in the years. Okay. <laughs> no, well, I just don't put much stock into that because I just don't think it matters. I mean, it matters to an extent, but it only matters if you're able to develop the guys as well. I mean, it's rare that you can't just get, you know, a roster full of five stars. It's like, hey, here you go. Come start and play. It's, it's you, you know, if you're able to get some high four, you know, four stars and – Maybe, you know, somehow we sprinkle in those five stars every now and then. Then, okay, then, then the, you might have the discussion. But you have to you have to develop your guys. And and you have to – and it's, it's hard, right, because it, it's so tricky because you, you want to be able to get the high-level guys and you'd think they're, they're able to come in and plug and play and, and do some things. But it's just – it's it's a lot to ask for – for you know, an 18, 19 year old kid that steps foot on campus, and it's it's a different ball game. I don't care what high level of football you played at. I don't care if you're playing five A in Texas. You know, it's a, this is a whole different ball game. You know, everyone's a everyone's you know a, a four star um, recruit essentially. You know, and you, it takes a toll on some guys mentally when they step into that. You know, they're, they're they went from an alpha dog now to you know bottom of the totem pole, and that that takes the guys some time to develop, but. You know, if you're if you have the right system in place, you know you're able to fall back on you know a junior or or a senior who's a walk on who just plays special teams, and he's kind of earned his way. He's learned the system. He's been in the meetings. That's that's the way it should be. You know, you're you you might in some instances have to throw a, a true freshman in there to play, i.e. A, a Fabian Washington or Ralph Brown or whoever it may be to come in and step up. But it's hard to ask a a linebacker to step in day one and, and say, hey, hey, hey man, uh, here you go. And what, whether it's uh, North Dakota or Georgia Southern, like he had to see early on, you know, that's it's, it's hard for anyone. So it just comes down to they haven't developed right. You know, we, we know Nebraska hasn't practiced right. I don't think, you know, Frost and some of the staff, you know, put, you know, the, the, the effort was is definitely, um, I have to question it. But just you got you got to get these guys ready to to go, you know, when they step on campus. And if they're if you're able to play right away, great. But if not, you have to be, have a foundation and plan for these guys to say, okay, how 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 are we going to get these guys ready? Because you just can't think that the freshman is going to have the the whereabouts, the know it all to just do that. You have to have a plan. You have to almost. There has to be some handhelding in, in college. I mean, these are still young kids to make sure they're doing what needs to get done uh, to develop and do the right things. And it's, and it's a lot of it comes from just getting your head kicked in a year or two on scout team. That's how I got developed. Jim Morris, you know, I, I played it my sophomore year, so that's it's you. You have to go through those issues. Jaybird, we'll be watching tonight. Thanks for giving us a few minutes, man, before showtime. Yeah, no problem. Anytime, fellas. Appreciate you. There he is, black shirt Husker NFLer Jay Moore with us here on Hale Varsity. Back here at the Single Barrel Rewind with Jay Moore. Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse, is upon us. Mark Cranack in his Husker dungeon. Elijah Herbal and uh, Connor Clark joining us. And Sharpie, God love him, he, he just tweeted out a picture of 
Nebraska fullback Tom Rathman uh, jersey. Oh. If Tom if Tom was playing today, that would be great. Tom could still play, by the way. You know, 30 years in the NFL as a coach and player, was with Indy, with San Francisco. Uh, I just sent the picture to Tom and asked asked Coach Rathman if he's playing today. So we'll see. If we can't get Rathman Cranack, we got to give Makovica a call. He's got a he series. He could probably still in. play too. You know, he he's, yeah, he's kept himself in shape. We uh, we saw him at the Hale Varsity Club a couple of weeks ago, and yeah, I mean, I was trying to talk him into to giving a couple of series. Long live the fullback, Cranack. Is what well, we're I, Chan- Chancellor Brewington is probably your closest to that. He is not a fullback. He is not 240 pounds, but the closest to it. He harkens back to that era. He harkens back to that mentality. He flattens people. I'd like to see more of him, to be honest. I, w- I would like to see Brewington lined up in the backfield more often. Maybe he can help with pass protection. Maybe when the right tackle just kind of olays the defensive end, <laughs> Brewington can pick him up. Uh, we have an olay. Iowa State down seven. There's a Schmidt touchdown. First time for everything. <laughs> and uh, 13 to six, Boomer Sooner. Notre Dame gets a pick six here. Oh, that was the first play of the game. Oh, we're going back and go through our halftime highlights. Yeah, that's, that's not good. So, I, geez, I missed that. Good squad, but uh, the Irish got to have this one. Cranack, what's, uh, what's your agenda today here? Uh, we've talked hot dogs. We've talked sauerkraut. We've given Brennan pizza advice for the capital city. We say get your ass to Lazari's. What are you cooking up? Are, are you? Is it too nice out for Cranack to go with his... Uh, Husker football chili. Yeah, that's that's that kind of starts picking up around Thanksgiving time. Because here's the thing: if you if you make a good chili and you have the proper base, you can drop whatever Thanksgiving leftovers you have into that base. Doesn't matter if it's stuffing. Doesn't matter if it's turkey. Doesn't matter if it's green bean casserole. If you have that base right, it soaks into all of those things. So that's, that's usually when chili season cooks off, is post-Thanksgiving. Really? That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, are you, are you, are you Are you ready to divulge your winning recipe? Because you were the king of O Street for chili cook-offs three years in a row. You went three-peat while we were in college. Do you have a method to the madness? Because it is going to be chili season soon. There's, there's a couple things that are, I think fundamental and then there's a whole lot of variables you can do to mix it up but say you're doing three pounds of meat right that means three cans of bean i'm not talking about traditional red where it's like little steak bits with no beans i'm talking with beans the tex-mex style right so for every pound of meat you have a can of beans one of those cans should be refried huh refried black what uh-huh hold on refried black to thicken it Right, so that's one thing you want to do because if you want your, I don't like my chili soupy. I like it kind of like thick, like meal worthy. I like to be able to put it into a burrito if I want to. Like you want so it you, versatile. I, I, like that. Do, do you subscribe to the idea that chili you should be able to stand a spoon up in? Yes, hundred percent. You don't want. I don't want the soupy <laughs> chili. Right, like so. That's one thing. Another thing, throw in a can of red enchilada sauce. Ooh, huh? Right. Huh? Kind of soak that thing up a little bit. Because um, that stuff's powerful, and it kind of gives that Mexican flavor throughout. 
Uh, and then another thing, lemon pepper. What? Lemon pepper? I thought that was just for chicken and fish. It's not, folks. It can also be used for beef in your chili to give it a little zest. And a little mesquite barbecue sauce. And some red, okay, green, Mark, and yellow peppers. I, I want to get your take on on my secret to my chili. My, my secret to my chili, which, Ghost among, among other things, no, no, jalapeno. You, you seed the jalapeno, and you fry it up with some onions and peppers and whatnot, all, all your veggies. But what I do, non-traditional, a little bit of light soy sauce, a little bit of anchovy paste, and some MSG. Oh. It adds some salt and it adds a little umami flavor that really just makes you go, Ugh. and I don't, I don't claim to have the best chili in the world, but that's a secret I have found through conversations with my brother, trying things out that I just think make a, a lot better chili. You are going Asian chili. Uh, that's your you would think. You would think. You would think it would taste yeah. Asian. It doesn't at all. You, you don't add enough to the point where it makes it taste Asian. It just gives it a little, a little something, something. I like the anchovy paste because that gives a little bite, right? This is peppery a little bit. Uh, that's good. I, I can totally see it. That's the thing with chili, right? It's like you got to get a couple fundamentals down. For instance, if you want thick, you get a little refried beans in there, right? If you want kind of Mexican flavor, throw a little red enchilada sauce. From there, dude, peanut butter, ranch, jalapeno. It, does, it almost doesn't matter, right? Because those two are so dominant that everything else is just kind of a little flavor. Yep. Well, we've done enough uh, food talk today, which is great. I love it. We've also dove in pretty heavy to Nebraska, Illinois. Quick timeout. We will wind down a weekend edition as the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, is in the on-deck circle. Awesome to see Coach Jeff Smith here. Brother Doug, not from Missouri. We'll wind down a uh, weekend edition on the way with Hale Varsity. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. Going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them, straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Weekend Edition. We are presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. There is the Iron Horse to my left, Gary Sharp. Connor Clark. And uh, before we dive into football, Sharpie. Wow, the house is full here. we got five people going. It's, it's awesome. We're five wide. That's right. Uh, Artez Craig, dear friend uh, of the show. Roger Craig's brother, and we, we've seen the we got we got correspondence back from Tom Rathman. Yeah, that's uh, good on Coach. Yeah, so we, the Nebraska backfield theme. It is <laughs> going to take a Roger Craig and, and Rathman effort to, to take down Illinois. But Artez was asking if there was any upsets last night in high school football. Southwest uh, looked great, hung on because there was a scare in that fourth quarter by Millard West. I did that game. Gretna, man, Southeast, the Butenbacks, I, I love that family and how how well the Knights play, man. They, they scared Gretna last night. Gretna's a great ball club. Southeast was right there. 
but otherwise it was kind of chalkish. Kind of chalk, which uh, I kind of expected. Um, but there were some great games. Grand Island and North yeah. went down to the final possession, as you mentioned, Gretna and Southeast. And Southeast played a heck of a game. They kind of were their own worst enemy late in that game. Um, but they hung in there against a really, really good Gretna team. So it kind of went as uh, as planned in Class A last night. You, you wonder how that game looks different if uh, Gunnar Gatula and Max Butenbach don't go down on the last drive of the yeah. game. But uh, where I was surprised, the one that surprised me was Carney and Millard South. I know Millard South's a good football team, but I was really impressed with what I saw this year from Carney. And Millard South went to Carney and really put a whooping on Carney. Yeah, Cam Kozel coming back changes them completely. Uh, he's a tough quarterback, man. He makes smart plays. He's got a rocket arm. He's he's smart with his legs. They're going to be another one. They'll play Grand Island. They're, I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the semifinals. Mm. Gary Sharp with us on side here at the single barrel. A lot of Husker fans here as they are eating steak. Fourth and two did not go well for Penn State. <laughs> wow. Uh, they had it rolling uh, just under 10 to go third quarter. I'm mean, going to go around the whole Nobody wants to kick field goals today. Apparently not. I don't know the wind in Happy Valley right now, but gorgeous today. The, the vibe, Sharpie, you uh, noticed it as you got in here. So a lot of optimism. Yeah, so I don't know if it's Nebraska. I mean, this is kind of weird. Nebraska hasn't played at home since that Indiana game, so you're yeah. looking at uh, basically 28 days. Um, traffic was pretty heavy coming down from Omaha. There's a lot of buzz around the stadium. Um, you know, I don't know if it's they haven't played at home in a while or a lot of people are are really buying in that Nebraska can pull an upset today. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of things when you match up these two teams that are not in Nebraska's favor. But this shows you the power, the breath of fresh air that is Mickey Joseph, that he has people believing that Nebraska will knock off Illinois. Or maybe there's some part of the fan base that is like, eh, Illinois is a paper tiger at 6-1. I will tell you, they're a good football team. Are they in the Michigan-Ohio State category? No, but they're atop a division that is complete chaos. They're a really, really good football team. And there's a reason why they're seven-and-a-half-point favorites today. But the the optimism is pretty amazing. And, And I think that starts with the head coach, the interim head coach, who, you know, sells a message and people are like, you know what, for the first time in a while, I believe what the guy in the power chair is saying. You know, and Gary, it's it's so interesting right now with Mickey Joseph and p- people wondering, like, does he have to get to a certain win total? Does, you know, this do, does each game factor into whether or not he gets the job offer or not? Do, do any of these games impact whether like it's Trev sitting there saying well it depends how, how they look against Illinois or do you think the decision is essentially made and they're just waiting for the right timing and or other candidates to emerge so I have I have been pretty staunch on this from the beginning that wins and losses don't matter in the evaluation of Mickey Joseph because there are things that he cannot overcome that were in place before he arrived or you can't change when you show up in December because you're not the head coach. But there are certain things that I think Trev is laying out that he wants in his next head coach, whether it be Mickey Joseph or somebody else, that I think Mickey checks all those boxes. Now, there's a lot of momentum for Mickey. And if Nebraska wins today, guys, I, I, I'm not saying this. I, it, I would not be blown away if there's something happens tomorrow. Because Nebraska's in a situation. One month from today is the Saturday after Black Friday. So 
by then we should have a pretty good idea of who's going to be the next head football coach at the University of Nebraska. And why are he you is, saying that? Why are you saying that it's by then, Gary, just for folks that are uninitiated? Why, why by well, then do you think? Well, well I, I think you have to, whether you publicly announce it or not, you have to have made a decision by the end of the season on who your head coach is going to be. Whether you're doing it internally or externally, I think you have to have that because there's a lot of moving parts that are going to go on once you announce whoever the head coach is with your roster because they basically have 28 days to figure out who's going to be here next year on that roster. And there are guys that may play today that they don't want here anymore, okay, or are going to move on. Like Trey Palmer, enjoy the last five games. He's not coming back. But, you know, like a Casey Thompson. Casey Thompson says, I want to come back. I want to see who the new head coach is. But they're going to evaluate him to see, okay, where, where is he at? Um, so there's a lot of things that are going to happen in the next 28 days between now and the Iowa game. But I, I think you have to have somebody in place. Now, if Nebraska wins today, so they beat a ranked team, so that checks a box. You beat a team you're not supposed to beat. And there is a lot of momentum and there's a lot of chatter, and Nebraska is still running like they're a regular football program with no change at the top. Is there a benefit to announcing Mickey as your head coach? Because I think, to answer your question, Mark, if you're Trev and there are things that you told Mickey, hey, be ready before there was ever a move made, you have seen and in your discussions on Sundays that say, yeah, that's the guy for me. That's the guy we could make as a CEO. He can go and hire a staff, surround himself with people that are smarter than him, that are really good football coaches, and that can overcome some of the year-after-year experience that everybody gets clamoring for as a head coach. That's what I would run as the the part of Mickey. But remember, in all of this, I think you're comparing Mickey now to every candidate that is out there. Okay, that candidate can do this. Okay, can Mickey do this? Mickey can do this. We don't know about that candidate. So through all of this, guys, I think we can all agree, we don't want to be Trev Alberts. (laughs) No. No. Yes yes and no. Great hair, wonderful (laughs) checking account. Uh, looks great in a suit, but no, I mean that—that's just it. You've got, you've got uh, a fan base that that loves Mickey right now, but it's a glass house, right? Because if it goes really bad today, because Illinois is a way better football team on the lines of scrimmage, does that momentum and 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 chant stay as loud? Is that volume as loud? It's not. But to your point, I think Mickey can go bring in. A staff can bring in recruits and has no the, the attitude. Yeah. So it's it's and he and he's doing it today. So to me, it's not a you know prisoner of the moment thing. It is a reality that he's just that good. And giving him an opportunity to do this, there's worse choices clearly in the last twenty. Years. So let me ask you guys this, and 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 the scenario I painted today and tomorrow is just that's just me just throwing it out there. Yeah, is if you get to. Let's say post-Iowa, and Mickey is named the head coach post-Iowa. Does that give you any feeling that Nebraska struck out on some guys and now they're settling for Mickey? That's, I don't want to take anything away from Mickey, but that would be the perception yes. if you don't name a guy that's in the power chair right now the head coach before the end of the season. I think Trev can sell it, true or false, can sell it enough that we don't, we don't need to go outside. We got our guy right here. And, and, I, and I would believe him in saying that. Privately, I would wonder, all right, did Aranda say no? Did O'Brien say no? We don't know whose agent's gotten a phone call. But Trev was up front saying it is going to be a national search. Uh, it, it may, you may not have to look very far, yeah. to be honest. And I think Trev's shrewd enough. This, 
this is a big, big yeah. hire. This changes. This is um, this is back to the future. This yeah. changes the course of history. I know we said that the last hire, but but this truly does because yeah. you're so you could be so far down if you get it wrong that you never come back. Mickey's stabilized. Uh, a horrific situation. Yep. They look and yep. feel better. Yeah, I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, it'll come down to Trev selling it to everybody on why X person is the right person to lead Nebraska into a new era where they're going to be front and center with a new football facility and kind of the new Big Ten. You know, the, the longer this has gone on, though, it, it, there's a couple interesting factors where, you know, Aranda, Matt Campbell, they're, they're not having great years. That makes it a little bit of a tougher sell. Not that you should just look at a single year. Yeah. I think the Aranda connections to Bush, Joseph, can't be overlooked, right? So it, he was sort of one of my leaders in the clubhouse. Leipold's still an option here. I, Timing's the, bad the for him, I think. Well, well, but, but the longer it's Because he's doing so on, well. Yeah. It, the longer it's gone on, though, ha, ha, would you say that either of those guys are convincingly a better choice than Mickey Joseph? I, I don't think you can say convincingly. But you say, yeah, they have more experience as a head coach. They've had moderate success. You know, of, of course, they, yeah. they might be a, a good option here, but not convincingly so. I think short of like Kyle Whittingham or freaking Mike Tomlin, who is not a candidate, but I still <laughs> just love saying that and imagining that that could be a possibility as Pittsburgh continues to struggle. Like, short of guys like that, I think it's a tough sell to say that Mickey doesn't deserve the chance. I think, yeah, I, right? I think in most fans' mind, Aranda versus Joseph, are, it's almost a draw, I think, in most fans' minds. Yeah, and that's the, that's as this process has played out, you know, kind of you, you have to, you can be patient to see what you have internally compared to what you have externally there's another name that i guess i've been very interested in because i've heard from people that you know there's a there's a a respect for what he does and who he is is david shaw at stanford mm. you know i I, yeah. I think there's there's the there's the hiring history of trev is and he's never had a hire like this not even close is his hires have been well vetted and sometimes they don't make sense until they're in the job and you go okay why did you hire a particular coach from a division two program oh oh by the way in in a short amount of time he's got his program humming as one of the best in their respective conference is sometimes he'll go with a surprising pick because as i've followed all these coaching searches sometimes the name that is talked about the least is the person that ends up with the job. Well, it, that, that one's interesting, too. David Shaw is a Stanford guy through and through. And if you look at his, you know, played there. All, you know, he's, he's, he is a Stanford guy. He's a Bay Area guy. So it would be a major cultural adjustment for him. Uh, and if you look at his recent success, again, I think that's a bit of a tough sell. Two Husker fans, where they look at his Trev, record, and it sort of looks like a Mike Riley situation all over Trev, again. Just if you look at recent success, Trev laid out that he didn't—he's not worried about winning the press conference. But yeah. you've got a guy in it right now that's that's elbow deep in transition, Elijah. And well, 
are you, are you rolling the dice going outside? Well, well, or, the, well the, the problem is, is to, to Mark's point, is you don't want to judge these guys like Aranda uh, and Campbell on, on a one-season basis, but that's what you Body have to work. do. That's what you have to do with Mickey Joseph, though. With Mickey Joseph, you are judging him on a, a very small sample size, and I know Trev gets to see behind the scenes, but I think that's where the problem lies within this coaching search, especially with Mickey Joseph, is what do you know about him from a head? You're, you're, you're taking a gamble, I guess is the simplest way to put it. Well, with Mickey it's Joseph all because, a gamble. Well, and, yeah, it's all a gamble, and it's a gamble on Treb because I think when this hire is done, there will be a lot more for the internal parts that have ailed Nebraska that this candidate is a, has strength than the external that we see on Saturday. Very good. Well, so, Gary, uh, if you don't mind, uh, go for it, Mark. Just real quick question. It, Recently, so BTN The Journey got some behind-the-scenes access with with Mickey Joseph. Ross Dellinger, writer for uh, SI.com, got total behind-the-scenes. I spent time in staff meetings and all. Does, yep. is, is, I, I can't imagine that's Mickey going rogue trying to politic versus no. Trev agreeing, saying, that's fine, you can do that. What? I don't know why Trev would approve those that kind of access unless he had Mickey maybe in the driver's seat. Um, or he wants Mickey to uh, – and, and, and you know what? And that's a valid concern, Mark. Or he wants Mickey to operate like this is his program mm-hmm. because we're still focusing on 22. And then there's the also the part of, of Mickey and relationship building. Remember, this is a guy that – earlier this week called nearly every high school coach in the state playoffs in Nebraska to just wish him luck. It wasn't a robocall. Um, <laughs> wow. So he's always selling, whether he is currently selling himself or selling Nebraska football, all of these different things, and Ross's article comes out on Monday, is he's selling himself, but he's selling Nebraska football for the 22, 23, 24. And I think that's how he looks at Nebraska is always be selling. We always say in sales, always be closing. I think Mickey is always be selling and then it's always be closing. Gary Sharp is with us here on a Saturday edition of Hale Varsity Radio, getting you geared up for Nebraska, Illinois. And Gary, that's where we go. Let's dive into the game this afternoon. Is It's a tall tall task for Nebraska, just with what Illinois brings on their lines of scrimmage. Uh, It's no easy feat for Nebraska if they're going to go pull the upset today, but what do you see from this Nebraska football team with how they match up with Illinois that that gives you some reason for optimism? They can at least hang in this game and give themselves a chance. Uh, Turnovers. Um, Well, I I think I I don't... First of all, for Nebraska to win today, I think the offense on its own has to score three touchdowns. But I think they're going to need some help today. You know, Illinois, as great as they are defensively and having Chase Brown and a solid quarterback in Tommy DeVito, they fumbled nine times. DeVito's not going to throw the ball away. But also they struggle in the red zone. So if Nebraska can win the battle today of seven over three on their end and three over seven on the defensive end, the last nine trips into the red zone for Illinois, they've only scored one touchdown. Now you could say, hey, they're scoring a lot of big chunk plays, but you're going to get into the red zone. They dominate the middle of the field, but they get to the red zone, and they really struggle, and they're near the bottom of the conference. So if Nebraska can hold them off and not break down, because there's going to be 12, 13, 15 drive plays today where you're going to go, God, we can't get off the field. And down 7 nothing is going to feel like you're 
you're down two touchdowns. So I think it's important for the defense to hang in there. I also think this is the day to F it. Trey Palmer is down there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> because because if Nebraska gets behind, Mark Whipple is not interested in running the ball. He's going to be aggressive to try and get it back right away. Um, but this is also an important game for Casey. I think Casey is going to be baited into some windows where he thinks he can make a big boy throw. But Illinois is so good on the back end that they will knock it away or they will intercept it. So he's going to have to be smart with the football, um, with the arm and the uh, legs. I, I, I think there's a lot of stuff that has to go right for Nebraska today, but they're going to need some help along the way to win this game. But I don't think it's like, oh, geez, dreadful. They're just going to bludgeon you to death. I think if Nebraska hangs in there and gets it to the fourth quarter, they can make it interesting. Oh, oh I calling for the pass. Yeah, I am. I'm seeing here. <laughs> He'll see you. Yeah, I think he's trying to avoid you. Yeah, I don't think this well, is going to happen. They got all the baseball hair going. <laughs> yeah. Um, Gary Connor, Sharp go for it, brother. On Hill Varsity Radio. <laughs> Gary, we've d- talked d- d- about denied. this all week. Nebraska had the ball for less than 18 minutes against Purdue. How do they find that balance today? I know the approach if you're down, okay, let's chuck it to Trey. Let's see if he's down there somewhere. But how do they balance that today? And how do they give their defense a chance to try and stay in this ballgame? By the way, Connor has a fantastic voice. Yeah, he's been smoking. And also, how come the five of us have not gotten with Trey Palmer to do a NIL deal about the effort, I'm down there somewhere, T-shirt with him on the front? How come we're not outside of the stadium selling that? We'd make a lot of money for Trey today. What's the uh, the licensing hurdles like? Oh, who cares? I mean, <laughs> you see people selling shirts outside of the stadium. Until they get busted. You drop five grand on T-shirts. Until they get busted. I mean, it's okay. Yeah. But, Connor, I, I think Nebraska, they can't turn the they, – they, they, can't, they can't say, hey, we got to get – this back in five minutes. Sure. They have to look at it as a 60-minute football game, and they got into a track meet with Purdue, and that didn't work out, and you saw 101 plays. You know, they are going to be healthier on defense where Reimer is back and Newsom should be okay, but I think on offense, they're also going to have to put together some drives. They're going to have to run the football. I mean, they're going to have to find a way for Anthony Grant to run the football, and Anthony Grant the last two games hasn't been able to run the football. Remember, he, he I don't think he's had a run over 10 yards in a while. The last 54 carries... Um, but Nebraska on the offensive line, that's where I'm really, really concerned because the best defensive line they faced, they only scored 14 points against Rutgers. So I think, Connor, if, if they can put together some solid long drives of their own where they're converting on third down, then that's a good sign. But if they're three and out and all of a sudden then they turn around and they look at a 12-play drive and you're like, oh, geez, we're in trouble, I think that's that's a – that's not a good case scenario for Nebraska. How many how many rushing attempts does Casey have? Design quarterback runs. Uh, maybe two or three. Okay. Yeah. Not, I, you know, to keep so, so here, here's so here's I think is a is a stat, guys, and, and and you guys can throw this around. What if Nebraska runs the ball today thirty five times? What does that mean? They stuck with it. Does it mean a win? No. Based on what I've seen, this I mean, it depends on the effectiveness of the run game, obviously, but if it's 35 for 105 yards, probably not. If it's 35 for 200 yards rushing, then yes, I think Nebraska wins the football game, but for some reason, I just don't see Nebraska getting that total, and I think you're going to have to yeah. abandon the run game at some point before you get to 30. Yeah, Predictions about hasn't been... Oh, sorry, Chris. Right. I was just saying, right. Illinois no. hasn't been down by more than a touchdown yet this year, right? Well, so been, I think what you're in the second there, half... Gary, yeah, I think what you're alluding to there is like, is Nebraska okay with that shortened game to where they're just like, hey, keep it within a possession, shorten that game up. We have a quick strike ability. They don't. 
um, take your chances there. You know, and, and you also, there, there, there's a lot of things about this. So to tie this back to our first discussion about Mickey Joseph, if you have a game plan and you beat Illinois, because a lot of people believe that the combination of Bielema and his OC and his DC are a good combination, mm-hmm. they're a well-coached football team, and you beat them and you walk out of the stadium and go, man, Nebraska was the better coach team today. That's also another feather in the cap of Mickey Joseph. But watch, guys, when we get to halftime, because adjustments at halftime, who wins that battle? Illinois, 77-17 in the second half. They've only given up seven points in the fourth quarter. They've been incredible. Uh, Sharpie and Cranach, uh give me a give me a score prediction here. What it, what it each of you think? We've Connor and Elijah and me have said our piece already. So I want to get uh, about forty five seconds before we uh, end it here. Cranach, go ahead. You can't wish good offensive line play into existence for Nebraska. <laughs> I think that's really just going to hamper whatever they want to try to do today. And I think it's a I think it's an Illinois thirty one seventeen win. I'm Look at you. All right, you've been listening to me. Beautiful. I will say 28-21, Illinois. Okay. Sharpie, good to see you, brother. Thanks good for Good to see you, guys. By. Thanks yeah. for having me on. This was a nice five wide. I, we would be the most prolific offense in college football game day radio. It is good stuff. Mark Crane. circa 2008. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why not? Uh, throw it to, throw it to uh, Rucker, I guess, is what I'd say. Or Kaufman. Yeah. Yeah, Cranach, be good. Enjoy it, buddy. Uh, Connor, we'll talk to you afterwards. Real Red Reaction. Elijah, good to see you. Uh, back next time with Hale Varsity. Talk to you Monday. Uh, we're presented by Currency.